Hi, I'm Katie Kramer, President and CEO of the Betcher Foundation. Welcome to Colorado Leadership Stories, where we talk to everyday, courageous leaders who have made transformational impacts in their communities and are building a better state for everyone. You'll hear from leaders and organizations and communities throughout the state as we explore the idea that leadership is an activity that anyone can do. Today we're joined by Michelle Sobel, president of Unify America, an organization that creates interactive experiences to help people bust out of their bubbles, build civic muscles, and work together to tackle our country's biggest challenges. Michelle, share a little bit about your personal background and some of the work you have done prior to Unify America. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. It is such an honor. Well, before Unify America, I have a career that you could describe as a squiggly path. And for those listening right now, what you are doing when you're 20 is not what you're doing later on in life. So after college, I went to New York City and I worked in the film business. And I was a film editor and worked with some of the greatest filmmakers alive and on wonderful wow. movies. Um, and I did that for many years. And one day, Harry Gottlieb, who is the founder of Unify America, called me and said, what do you do in the summer? I'm starting a company in Chicago called Jelly Vision, and we're going to make vid- video games. So I said, well, I have the summer um, off. I don't have another movie until September, so why don't I go to Chicago and help you with this project? And I stayed for the next eight years. We made a game called uh, You Don't Know Jack, and it became a big hit in the 90s. And uh, we made many versions of that. um, And I did that for a while. And then my husband, who was a surgical resident at the time, said, you know, I could use your help. I want to start another company to help patients with the process of informed consent, which is learning what to expect before, during, and after having a medical procedure. So we started a company called Emmy Solutions. Hmm. Uh, and I then started another one in consumer health uh, in 2008. So I spent 25 years in healthcare. And then Harry Gottlieb called me once again and said, what are you doing? I really am concerned about the political division in this country, and I think we can do a lot better. Um, I want to start a nonprofit. So I said, sure, um, I'll help you get that off the ground. Um, and then COVID happened and sort of fell in love with what we were doing and felt uh, quite passionate about the work that we're doing. So I live here in Denver with my family, and I'm also on the board of directors of Colorado Public Radio. So I'm really invested um, and happy to um, be here in this adopted state of mind. Love that. Well, and I know we've known each other for a while, but fun to hear the origin story from filmmaking to this entrepreneurship bone you have and and, um, healthcare. So wonderful, wonderful. And I have to say, just fangirl on um, You Don't Know Jack. Uh, I (laughs) grew up playing that um, with my family on the holidays and it was so much fun. I remember when I first met you and Harry and was like, no way. So much fun. That's just a, it's a great, great game. Well, thanks. It was it was incredibly fun to work on. We, in Chicago, we um, had a lot of folks who were um, who were improv comics and, yeah. and Second City folks, and so it was a belly laugh a day. I have to say, working on that game. Well, that's great. Well, and I know that sort of enters the story, uh, which I'm sure you'll get to with Unify America here. But tell us um, more about an overview of Unify America. You started to allude to it, but its mission in promoting civil discourse and bridging political divides. Yeah, so Unify America is a nonpartisan nonprofit, and we are on a mission to replace political fighting with collaborative problem solving. Um, you know, we all know that we are in a, a crisis of political polarization. 
Um, and it's stoked by what Amanda Ripley, who wrote High Conflict, mm-hmm. and I know someone on the show was talking about this book, and I said, yes. You, yes. Um, she talks about conflict entrepreneurs. Mm. These are folks who are people and systems who profit and benefit from keeping us divided. And so um, this division is weakening our country, and it's fracturing communities and creating discord in families. And so Unify America is providing counter-programming so we are um, harnessing the power of shared goals and different perspectives to institutionalize a rational, respectful, and inclusive process to solve our toughest problems together. And we do it in two ways, and we'll get into it. But one is civic learning and individual skill building, and one is community change making. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And I know you'll talk more about that. But pretty soon here, I want you to enter the Colorado story. Like, why here? Why now? How did that happen? specifically because we were thrilled to know about you, but then hear that you were going to be doing some work with communities and individuals um, within Colorado around those constructive conversations and bridging ideological gaps. So tell us that story. So uh, yeah, we've done quite a lot of work here in Colorado and we'll continue to do so. So I'm I'm here in Denver and I should say we uh, worked with the Attorney General, Phil Weiser, uh, on his Ginsburg Scalia Initiative, Mm -hmm. which is about respectful dialogue and civil discourse. We worked with uh, with A.G. Weiser and with the former Secretary of State, Wayne Williams, to do a unified challenge in Colorado. And I'll describe that program, which is also what we use for our college ball and we're expanding in Colorado and the uh, Citizens Assembly we did here in Montrose, Colorado. So there's a lot of work we're doing here. Um, the unified challenge, should I just describe this? Please briefly? do. Mm-hmm. This is an, a program where we um, pair two people to, to have a face-to-face conversation over our own Zoom. It's a Zoom-like platform. And they're paired across difference. Typically, it is ideological, political difference, but it can be uh, urban, rural, and other ways that we are different from one another. And together, the two, unfacilitated, unmoderated, just without a net, are talking about important issues of the day. And we center the, those conversations around high-level goals. And so they talk about how much they agree or disagree with the goal and then then get into conversations where they share their lived experience around that particular issue. We did the Unified Challenge for Colorado around issues that were really important to Coloradans. These issues are also national issues, but it's mental health care, youth mental health, uh, affordable housing, responsible gun ownership, uh, information accuracy and the law. And uh, we offered this to all Coloradans and we had participation from folks in 46 of our counties and 87% of the, those who participated said the conversation was respectful and comfortable and they felt more hopeful about the future of Colorado after taking the challenge. So we felt really excited about the outcome of that program. That very same program is what we use for our College Bowl. And this is a large national program. Uh, it has grown enormously through sort of this great network effect. And um, we have over 8,000 college students who have taken the College Bowl program. This is where we pair college students across states. So they meet someone, a student in Alaska meets a student from Florida. And it's really kind of a cool pairing. We are expanding in Colorado. So we have um, a goal of bringing on 28 Colorado colleges by the end of the year. And what's so exciting is that these are schools from along the Front Range and the Western Slope and the Eastern Plains and Pueblo and Trinidad and Durango. And so we're all over the place. We have some we have one of our outreach partnership managers who lives in Rifle and she loves to hop in her truck 
and drive around the state having campus visits. So we are well on our way to getting to our goal. We have a goal of 400 estimated students to participate in um, March. And we are already at 750 awesome. with another few weeks to go. And we are focusing on, col- on community colleges because we really believe that this isn't when you have two political science students talking to one another, that's one kind of conversation. But when there's someone who's training to be a nurse and someone from the Air Force, that's a different conversation. So we're really excited about the diversity um, in our student population. And then the third Colorado project is this massive pilot we just did in Montrose, which we can talk about. We are so excited and proud to, to support your work. As I know, you know, you're one of our grantees and getting our better scholars involved in that. But I wanted to talk about that before we go off of just that that college student dialogue you said this like you're talking without a net how I mean that feels a little like it takes a little courage it might be a little scary where people are kind of putting themselves out there and I know that you are so thoughtful about creating an environment where that conversation remains productive and respectful so tell us about how you kind of create that um, in the work especially with the college bowl yeah it's a great question and it's a question that professors have you know the way it works is a professor assigns the program to two students, mm-hmm. and they worry about safety. Will my student be safe? Are they going to be in some kind of an abusive situation? Will it, will it be combustive? And in the four years we have been doing this, we have not had a single issue, which is kind of amazing. We have live support available, and typically the when pe- students contact our support people, they say, I can't hear my partner. So it's typically mm-hmm. a technical issue. I think it's a false narrative that people can't have respectful conversations and that we can't talk to each other. And we believe that that we are one-dimensional because people are quite complex and we have a lot of nuanced beliefs and, and values. And then social media, of course, people behave horribly. Right. And when you're face-to-face, you don't behave poorly. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon. As one of our students who said in a reflection, it's really hard to hate up close. Uh, so... We talk about the green eggs and ham effect, mm-hmm. which is everyone gets really nervous when they come on. They always say they're really nervous. Um, but it's like the beginning with, I do not like green eggs and ham. I won't eat them on a bus. I won't eat them with a goat. And then by the end, they're like, oh, I really like this. So it's an interesting kind of arc that happens, and it happens every single time. Ah, interesting. You know, we're exhausted by the division. We're ex- exhausted by the polarization. We don't we don't trust each other. So we help. I think with two people, you sort of build trust. There's nobody you're performing for. It's really low risk. The student in Florida will never meet that student from Alaska. So, you know, there's it's not like the social consequence you will have on campus, mm-hmm. I think. Great. Well, let's turn to Montrose. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly, um, as my husband would say, the, the good part of the state. But I would love that place. I have a lot of family in that area. Uh, and maybe start by telling us why Montrose. Like, how did you, of all the places that you could pick in a Colorado context, like what was special about um, that particular area? And tell us about the project. We got really lucky um, when we met two individuals at the El Pomar Foundation statewide meeting. Yes. It seemed like it was a long time ago now. So um, Harry and I were in line at the lunch buffet and just happened to have a conversation with Don Corum, Mm -hmm. who, of course, you know, and Linda Gann. They are members of the San Juan Regional Council. And we were just sitting with them having a meal and talking about our aspirations to do a pilot. And they said, well, you know, here we are. Don Corum is a Republican and Linda Gann is a Democrat. And they're great friends and colleagues. And, you know, this is Montrose is really unique 
and they were sort of pitching Montrose to us. And of course, um, when we got there, we realized that this was a perfect place for us to pilot. It's a really vibrant, healthy community, and it has a level of diversity. It's on the Western Slope. It is mm-hmm. in Montrose County. It is a gorgeous place um, full of people who are really invested in their community. So we got very lucky becoming, working with the folks in Montrose. That's great. And so tell us about what issue you chose to yeah. to talk about and how that engagement looked. Yeah. So the, the issue is the child care shortage, which is something that is a challenge that's facing the folks in Montrose and Montrose County and, and many parts of this country, frankly. Um, and that was a, a, an issue that wasn't chosen by the folks at Unify America, but by the folks in Montrose. There's also a study that was done um, in Montrose to look at this problem. And it was a problem that that affected a great many people. Of course, if you have a parent, you know that childcare is an issue. And if you can't go to work and you're a firefighter, that's an issue. If you're a police officer, that's an issue. So there's downward impact in the whole community. So I think there's a recognition that this is something that needs special attention. Well, and I know that part of that was there was specific considerations to just making sure that you were inclusive of all of the folks in the community and um, that those conversations were accessible as far as the deliberation. So tell us how that unfolded. Yeah, that's a terrific question. So there's four things that we did to make the um, participation in the Citizen Assembly more accessible for the folks in Montrose. Number one, everyone in the assembly was paid for their time. This is typically what happens in deliberations. So there's a, a, a $15 per hour uh, rate for meetings and survey questions. And so people were compensated to, so they can actually participate. Number two, we provided support for child care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, delegates couldn't participate if they didn't have access to child care. Three, we provided access to technology. So we provided computers and headphones and internet hotspots for people who didn't have reliable broadband access. And the fourth is we offered live interpretation in Spanish. Uh, We had a live translator for all meetings, and we also had a small group of delegates who were able to speak Spanish during their time together. Love that. Just back to your history and Harry's history about just gamifying things. Part of the engagements of everything that I've done with you, it's always been so engaging and so fun. So it's one thing to have like just these conversations, which of course need need to happen. Mm -hmm. But talk about just some of those pieces about how you really make it fun and engaging um, for for people to be involved. Well, it's such a great question. And if you know the guys from Warm Cookies of the Revolution, they understand this really well too. Yeah, I mean, showing up to town halls isn't just like my idea of fun, right? I mean, (laughs) you know, how do we, we have to get people sort of engaged in fun, but I think it really almost is as important as belonging. Mm -hmm. So it was really important that we built um, what we call trusts. So folks in the, in the groups, we had trusts of eight, they got to know one another and felt that they had made sort of personal connections. So um, I think that we think they sort of, you can learn, you can have fun, you can belong, and you have a sense of purpose. That's like the secret formula Mm -hmm. for civic engagement. Um, We're dealing with something that's really serious. And so we didn't want to, we have an interesting thing about fun. When does fun break? It becomes silly. Mm-hmm. But um, I could say one example is that Harry, well, Harry loves to put on a show, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we did, a, there's a sample called sortition where you sample the population and you create a representative, demographically representative group. And that's how we form the delegates. 
we had a lottery event where we were, we were um, we, we, Harry made a big event where he invited children and we pulled balls out of a, <laughs> a you know, a bowl and there was a, a band that we did in a theater. So we made an event out of the process, 222 folks raised their hand and it had to come down to 64. Wow. So that process, you could do that in a lot of ways, but make it a show, make right. it fun, make it somebody people, you know, there's a band and there's a drum. <laughs> there's a drum roll and there's an MC and there's, there's a game. So, you know, but, that's what you have to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's just great. So I know you weren't talking just for the sake of talking about these things. There was some outcome in, in mind. And so I know that it's early and, and still some of that work is still coming out. But so what was the point of having those conversations? To what end? And then what happens next? Yeah. So let me just tell you, that's a great question. The, the, the process was that to, uh, this group of, of community members that were representative met for 12 weeks. Okay two hours every week, and they reviewed facts around the problem. They deliberated the pros and cons of different solutions created by themselves and by experts. And then they voted on specific actions and ideas. And over two-thirds, this is more than a majority, over two-thirds of the assembly agreed on five different local solutions. And the assembly also made recommendations on how to pay for these solutions. And what I'm really excited about is that Folks who were involved in the assembly and folks who weren't involved started to meet in parallel outside of the uh, of the assembly work, and they are forming their own 501c3 called Unified Montrose mm. to carry forward the implementation of the solution. So, so cool. we are sort of passing the baton to Unify Montrose, which we're we're not a stakeholder. We're just like a, you know an interested observer at this point, and that's the joy of this is that we can come and do this big project and then have have it continue outside of our facilitation. So some deliberative dialogue and some activating our democracy and coming up with solutions from the citizens. I just love it. That's great. What's on tap next? I mean, do you have some other communities that you're thinking about spreading your wonderfulness around the state more or is there more to do in Montrose? What's that look like? Yeah. So as I said, I mean, we're really excited to support and see how the local community moves that unify Montrose forward. And that's a lot that we can learn and apply that to other communities. But we're also in the part where we're researching, we're looking at our reporting, we're going to be creating a report that will be available later this spring for Mm -hmm. people to read. We're going to be learning out loud for everyone who's interested. We need a lot more of these citizen assemblies to be supported if we're going to kind of make this a, a, you know, a tool. We're going to be researching what's next for us when it comes to helping communities solve problems together and building systems to get more voices involved. Awesome. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. More to come for sure. So I want to double back to the, the college students. And so based upon what you're learning from that process, also hearing them learn from each other through that process, what advice do you have for emerging leaders? Well, I have tips and tricks, okay. and I also have suggestions. So they anybody can go and take the Unify Challenge. We offer it twice a month. You can go to unifyamerica.org and sign up and take that, that roller coaster ride that is the Unify Challenge. You also can join something called Bridge USA. One of our partners has chapters on campuses, and you can start your own chapter. You can join an existing chapter. So there's a plug for um, our friends in the field, Bridge USA. And there are lots of other players in the field that do a really wonderful job, living room conversations conversations, braver angels, and our governor is involved in an initiative called Disagree Better Mm. with the governor of Utah, uh, Spencer Cox. And so there's a lot of folks that are doing this work. And in this election year, I encourage everybody to get involved 
and to maintain uh, the hope that we will continue to be unified as a country and to stop as an individual the division. I love that. Michelle, one of the things I have just loved about working with you all, certainly seeing your work as an investor, but also a participant, it's been so much fun to see what you do. And there's this great part of the instruction that is this active listening, right? Listening Sunday or something. I can't remember how Harry right, does it. Right. But there's some great advice and suggestions to actively listen. And I think it's, I would love to hear you share um, some of those tips and um, skills with the audience. Right. Well, Katie, you got to see a a video that Harry played at the Betcher meeting called Sunday Night Listening. Yes, that's right. Where he plays all the roles. It was, he was, he made it during COVID when he couldn't be around anyone else. So he plays a sports announcer. Right. um, Kind of in the, in the, in the mode of, I'm going to date myself, Howard Cosell. Uh And the two contestants are two grandpas and they are learning how to listen and they win points and get penalties when they listen poorly. Uh But the goal is to hit the bullseye. Yes. So when someone's telling a story, how do you hit the bullseye and help somebody feel heard? And so the tips are following the meaning, demonstrate understanding, name the differences. Mm-hmm. And so what we are, we help people figure out how to hit the bullseye. It's great to be really listened to. And we all do a very good job, I think. We all think we're good listeners, but not many of us are. So what we tell students also is to sort of value curiosity over winning. Mm-hmm lead with a desire to understand and learn rather than to win. In moments of conflict, refer back to your North Star, which is the shared goal. And then in general, when you are facilitating groups as a leader, you want to have everyone set their own ground rules, which is, okay, we're going to turn our cell phones off to have this conversation. And then finally, and this is related back to Unify Mantras, remember the power of co-creation. People tend to support that which they help to create. Right. All right, well, it's time for the lightning round. So here you are. Michelle, what is your favorite Colorado hobby? I grew up in Chicago, Uh so I'm not the Olympian that the rest of you people are. I am a terrible skier. Um, Mountain biking terrifies me. My husband's a fly fisherman, but I'm too nearsighted to tie the flies. I really like the acoustic hobbies of hiking and snowshoeing, I have to say. Those are lovely. (laughs) Very much mindfulness in nature. Love it. Next. Okay. What is your favorite Colorado landmark? Okay. I have two, and they're both related to my film career. Mm. The Stanley Hotel Uh in Estes Park, because it inspired Stephen King to write The Shining. And interestingly, Stanley Kubrick did not shoot the film there, though his name is Stanley. And the other one um, with the movie theme is the Esquire Movie Theater on 6th Avenue. You know it's shutting down this year. Oh, no. I know. I'm really sad. Um, I love to see movies screened on the big screen, especially Uh independent movies. So if you live in Denver, listener, go to the Mayan. Go to the Chase Artis. Like, support your movie houses. We need to do that. Oh, that's great. Okay, Michelle, what action hero do you most identify with? I'm laughing too because my husband, I was telling him this, and he's like, that's not an action hero. But Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, Khaleesi, Mother of Dragons. Yes. I mean, if you didn't watch the last season, she does become the Mad Queen. But let's Mm -hmm. just say she did have a strong moral compass until then. (laughs) Very good. I love it. That's great. (laughs) That's a new one. I love it. Okay. And then what are you currently binging? Is there a show, a book, a podcast that you can't get enough of right now? And 
Yeah, well, you know, I'm a public radio nerd, and I'm on the board of CPR, so I have to say... Love it. Um, if you haven't listened to the Parched series on CPR, mm. it's about climate change and climate solutions. It's awesome. I also listen to Hard Fork, about the rapidly changing world of tech, mm. and one I particularly like is called Your Undivided Attention. It's a podcast about how tech fits into our lives and a humane future. Oh, very cool. Awesome. A couple things to check out on my list now. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming in. And it's great spending some time with you and hearing about you personally, learning more about you and also the wonderful work of Unify America. Thank you for what you're doing. And Betcher Foundation is so proud to be involved in your in your great work. So thank well, you. Thank you so much, Katie. This was a joy. And we are so grateful to be part of the Betcher Foundation family. So thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you for joining Colorado Leadership Stories, where we hope to inspire the next generation of Colorado community builders, doers, and difference makers. Colorado Leadership Stories is presented by the Betcher Foundation. The Betcher Foundation supports Colorado by empowering leaders and communities with tools to tackle challenges and pursue opportunities, building a better state for everyone. With an 85 plus year legacy of giving back we're committed to amplifying our impact for future generations. That's the spirit of Betcher.